The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, hey, Snohomish, how's it going? That's, that's the energy I am looking for. Love it. Okay. Oh, we're going to go ahead and get started. I think this is like my third time here in like two months. So I'm, I'm digging it. So hopefully you're, you're liking it too. So uh, if you're wondering where Pastor Andrew is today, he's actually at our Marysville campus. Uh, cel- we're celebrating uh, your guys' one, I guess, 53-week birthday uh, over there, like what we did here last week. And so um, it was awesome. I spent all yesterday um, tracking down photos of him when he was a kid so that Pastor Nick could embarrass him on the stage. So just know that that is happening as we speak. Um, and I feel like that should bring really comfort to all of our hearts, and so it's just a good thing. There's also some great ones of Jordan that are mixed in with the pictures of Andrew, just because they're, you know, they're family photos, so it's just good stuff. Uh, my name's Evan. If I, if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, uh, my name's Evan, and I'm the creative director here at the Grove Church, so I have my hand um, really in a lot of the video and the graphics and kind of just overseeing that whole thing, and so that's, uh, that's my day job. But my passion um, really is teaching the Bible. I love kind of diving in deeper today, and, and that's what we get to do. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started. Uh, Father, I just thank you so much for allowing us to gather here today. Um, even when the weather isn't great, I, th- I thank you that we have a place that we can come and we can worship you and we can thank you for who you are and we can learn more about who you are. I pray that today as I speak, um, that my words would not be my own, but that you would help me to be uh, more eloquent than I'm capable of being and that you would uh, just speak through me the message that you would have this church here. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in a series called Stop Going to Church, and the idea behind Stop Going to Church is really that um, as Christians, we're not simply called to just go to church, but rather we're called to be a part of the church. And, and if, if you know me, or if you've, um, if you've heard me speak before, it's probably come across um, that I'm a bit of a nerd, and I like, I like nerdy things. And so um, when I was looking, uh, doing research for this message, I came across something that was really interesting to me, and hopefully it will be really interesting to you. Um, but all throughout the New Testament, so in the Gospels, and the Book of Acts, and the, the letters of the Apostles in Revelation, um, the word church is scattered all throughout it. And if you remember, the New Testament was written originally in Greek, and so the Greek word for church that gets used is this word called ekklesia, or ecclesia. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, And what ecclesia translates to, because it's used in other places, is basically a gathering of people. And so when they're talking about the church, the actual word that they're saying translates to a gathering of people. But our word church actually comes from this old English word that I didn't write down because I was dumb, so it's like kikjorgen or something weird like that. Um, But it comes into modern English as the word kirk, um, which is still used, I think, in Scotland. They still use the word kirk, so there you go. Um, But what it means is it translates to the house of the Lord. And so it's interesting because our word church and all throughout, you know, hundreds of years of, of the English language kind of evolving... Our word for church has always been about a building, whereas the Greek word, the New Testament word, the word that the apostles are writing about, is not anything, has nothing to do with the building, but rather it has to do with the people. Or in other words, uh, from the beginning, the church was never about where it gathered, but rather it was about who was gathered. And, and I think to put it a different way, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul reminds us of this. It says, in starting in verse 19, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And so after 
the finished work of Jesus, there is no longer um, one house of the Lord, if that makes sense. There is no longer a place where the presence of God dwells, but rather the Holy Spirit dwells in all of us that are Christians. And so you could say it this way, that we are all kirks, we are all houses of the Lord, but we are gathered in an ecclesia. And what we're talking about is a gathering of Christians. So that's my nerdy thing for the day. So I mean, maybe you liked it, maybe you didn't. I just, I thought it was interesting. So that's where I decided to go with it. Um, But today we're going to talk about Um, a letter from Paul to the church in Ephesus. And all throughout the New Testament, what we see is examples of of tons of different churches. And so there's uh, churches that gather in Jerusalem, which is where Jesus did a lot of his ministry. There's one in Antioch, which is kind of north, um, but also close to where Jesus did his ministry. And then it stretches all along. um, In the Bible, mostly the Mediterranean is where we see these churches spring up. So they're in Colossae and Corinth and Philippi and Ephesus and Rome and all these different cities. And so Paul is writing a letter to the church in Ephesus, which he helped to start uh, many years before. He's writing this letter while he's in prison. So at this point, um, he's an older man. I believe that Timothy is the pastor of the church in Ephesus at this point. And so Timothy is one of Paul's, you know, he's one of Paul's guys. He's kind of his son in the faith. And he's writing this letter to encourage the church and also to remind them of what is important about being the church. And so in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, that's where we're going to camp out today. And it says uh, this, starting in verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, remember Paul's in prison as he's writing this, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what he does, what it does mean is that, but, holy cow. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, and by craftiness or deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, and each part is working properly, and makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love." Okay, so it's a long passage, and it's really dense. There's a lot there, and so we're actually going to spend pretty much the rest of the message today unpacking um, three main things that Paul is saying in that passage of Scripture about the church. Now, the, the first thing I want to talk about is, is he starts off by saying, therefore, and one of the things that Pastor Nick is really fond of saying that's really good to remember is anytime you're reading the Bible and you see the word therefore, you should always ask yourself, what is the therefore 
therefore. So read right before whatever is therefore, and that's going to help you uh, see what Paul is talking about, or whoever the writer is is talking about. So in chapter 3, if you're reading through that, and just to kind of give you a quick summary, he's essentially representing the gospel to the church in Ephesus. And so he's reminding them that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, and that he lived the perfect sinless life that we could not live. He died the death that we deserve to die. And because of his life, death, and resurrection, we can now have eternal relationship with God. So he's reminding them of that truth. But then he also reminds them that because they are Gentiles, this truth is not just for one group of people, but rather it's for all people, which should be really great for us because I would imagine most of us in here are not um, ethnically Jewish. We're probably what the New Testament would refer to as Gentiles. And the fact that God opened up salvation to beyond um, just the people of Israel is an incredible gift because uh, when it says the ends of the earth, we are the ends of the earth. Like Washington is probably about as far away from Israel as you can get before you start getting closer to it. And so the the thing that Paul is reminding the church in Ephesus of is that the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is equally applied to Jews and Gentiles. It's equally applied to the rich, to the poor. No matter who you are, no matter your status, no matter what kind of person you are, the gospel applies to you. But then he goes on, and this is kind of what the therefore is for, If the gospel is for everyone, then the church is also for everyone. You can't have one without the other. If the gospel is true and it applies to everyone, then the gathering of believers is also applicable to everyone. And that's why he stresses unity, because there's a ton of different people who come together in the church. I I like to talk about um, my friend group, which is mostly guys that I met Uh, growing up in the church. And none of us would be friends if it wasn't for the church. We don't have a ton in common. Um, But the fact that we were able to pursue God together, we became friends, we met each other, um, and it's a great thing. If we look around the room, uh, most of us don't have much in common. Some of us come from different backgrounds. Some of us are different um, kinds of people. We're into different things. But we have this one thing in common. And Paul reminds us that unity is important. And he also reminds us of how we as the church, how we as Christians are called to treat each other. And I love the the four things that he says is that we're called to treat our Christian brothers and sisters with humility, gentleness, patience, and bearing with each other. And what, what Paul's reminding us is that we are not called as Christians to live lives that are about ourselves. Because that's not what Jesus did. Jesus did not live his life on earth about him. Rather, he, he sacrificed and he gave. And we as Christians are called to also be sacrificial with our lives. Our lives are not about us. We're not supposed to be selfish. To give you an example, he says, you know, first humility. Pride puts me first, but humility forces me to think of others. When I think only of myself, I can be as abrasive as I want But when I love someone and I'm thinking about them, I know that I have to be gentle. If I only cared about myself, I could be as demanding or as impatient as I want with my fellow Christians. But because we are called to love our fellow Christians, I know that I have to be patient. And I think this one's really applicable for the modern church as well. Um, The selfish person knows that they can drop out at any moment, but the person who loves the others of the church know that they are called to bear with them. And I think oftentimes we get into this culture um, where we just, we're at a church for a little bit and then we drop out, we never really get connected, we go to other ones, you know, we kind of make up excuses or whatever it is. Um, But there's not this idea that when we uh, join together in a gathering of believers that we are actually called to bear burdens with them. 
which is incredible language, right? It's the, it's the language of seeing someone struggling with something heavy and then coming alongside them and picking it up with them and walking together. That's, that's the, the metaphor that is used for what we as Christians are called to do. Paul here is, is painting a picture of a radically selfless gathering of Jesus-obsessed men and women who would do anything for the spiritual growth of those around them. And, and that, to me, is, is so much more beautiful than sometimes our idea of church. Sometimes we just think of it as we come in, we praise God through worship and song, we hear a message, we give in the offering, and then you know, we grab some coffee and we leave. But Paul is talking, when he's referring to the church, when he's talking about how we as the church are supposed to be with each other, we're supposed to be radically selfless, we're supposed to be Jesus-obsessed, and we're supposed to bear with the burdens of those who are with us. The second part of the, uh, of the, uh, the passage that we read that I'm going to talk about is, is Paul refers to the church as a body. And I think it's, it's a metaphor that's all throughout Paul's writings. And so it's not just in Ephesians. If you read a lot of his different letters, he's going to refer to the church as a body multiple times. And it's a really apt, um, it's a really apt comparison because it, it lines up very well. And one, one of the things about a body is like theoretically, um, right now, I'm, I'm not in the best shape. I was helping set up today and I was sweating a lot. But other than that, um, I'm, a, I'm a relatively healthy person, right? Um, but if tomorrow, uh, let's say I woke up and all of a sudden my eyes were no longer working, I woke up and I was blind, um, I could still do a lot of things that, that humans could do, but I, I could no longer function to the, uh, let's call it the maximum potential of what my body can do. And when people within the body of Christ are not actually joining in with the mission of Christ, the church can still function, but it doesn't function to the maximum potential of what it can be. I think all of us have something to contribute to the body of Christ. And and it falls along with Paul's logic, right? He says, you know, if the gospel is for everyone, therefore the church is for everyone. And if the church is for everyone, that means that all of us, have a part to play within the church. All of us have things that we can do to further the mission. I think sometimes culturally, we think of church that's something that something that is done. And so, you know, for instance, there's there five people, I counted beforehand just to make sure, there's five people up here um, leading worship. And then I get up and I give a message. Then afterwards, Ryan's going to come up and he's going to collect the offerings and kind of dismiss everyone. We're going to pray and it's going to be a good time, right? Um, but it's, it's kind of this idea that, okay, so the, the seven of us, do church, and then everyone else just kind of relaxes and doesn't worry about it. But that's not the, the picture um, that Paul is painting. That's not the picture that really the whole of the New Testament is painting about what the church is supposed to be. It's everyone using their gifts for the, for, to further the mission of God here on earth. For instance, so yesterday I went to the Marysville campus um, just to kind of run through my sermon, and I totally forgot this was happening, but I came in and there was about, I think, 20 of you um, who were at the Marysville campus, you brought the trailer over, you unloaded everything, cleaned it up, polished it, uh, made sure that everything was labeled, fixing all the technical things. And, and essentially, it was a work party. And the whole idea behind it was people using their gifts, people sacrificing their time so that the services that we do on Sunday can run a little bit smoother. It's an example of people uh, being the church. A couple more. Um, did you know that there's a group of people at the church where uh, one of their ministries is that they make meals for people uh, who are temporarily incapable of making their own? 
So maybe they have surgery and they're on bed rest or maybe you know, they're a new mother and they just got home and all these different things. There's actually a group of people in the church where uh, they just divvy up meals and they bake meals and they bring them to these families. That's an incredible thing. And, you, and you, never, you never see it, right? It's just a one-on-one interaction. But it's people using their gifts and being a part of the church and, and selflessly caring for others. A couple more. I often think about um, the kids team. And sometimes we think of them as, you know, you just go, you drop off your kids, and then you come in and enjoy service. But really what they're doing is they are um, every week sacrificing their ability to come in and worship God and hear a message and, and, and be a part of service so that they can love your kids and teach them more about who Jesus is. It's an, it's an incredible ministry. It's a way to help um, train up the next generation. And they're sacrificing and they're making sure that, that gets done. Even something like the host team, you know, the greeters at the door, we can kind of just put it aside. It's like, oh yeah, they're handing out programs and that's kind of all it is. But really, what's going on there is they're, they're people who are greeting and war- basically being welcoming to everyone. And the reason that they're doing that is so that they can communicate more effectively than I ever could that no matter if you've been here for years or if this is your first time, because the gospel applies to everyone, the church is for everyone. And therefore, this is a place where you can feel welcome and know that you belong. And the very first people that you see, the whole reason that we're saying, you know, smile, be welcome, all these different things, whether it's the parking team or the host team, they're communicating something uh, just implicitly. And it's a really beautiful ministry that as soon as people walk in, they can kind of know deep down that this is a place where I'm safe and this is a place where I can belong. Because at the end of the day, that's what we want the church to be. We want the church to be a place where people can feel welcome and belong and learn about who Jesus is. So the church, if the church is a body, we all have a part to play in the body and the body doesn't function at its maximum potential unless every single part is doing what it's called to be doing. The final metaphor that Paul talks about, and this is where we're going to kind of camp out for the rest of the message, is this idea that um, as the church, we grow up both individually and uh, as a church as a whole. Um, There's a natural progression from um, an infant to what we'll call senior citizens, I guess, right? So when when you're born, if everything goes right and smoothly, um, you will naturally progress as the years go on until you eventually become a senior citizen. That's kind of like your final stage of life. Um, Just like that is a natural progression of life, there is also a natural progression from spiritual um, immaturity or spiritual infancy, if you want to call it, up to spiritual, you know, grandparents, elders, you know, whatever word um, you want to refer to it as. And my my mom reminds me of this often. just because she likes to, right? But when I was a baby, I was basically good for nothing, right? Like I, I laid there um, and I, I slept and I cried um, and, I, and I pooped in my pants. Like those were the three things um, that I did. And, it, you know, I'm, I'm sure my parents weren't like stoked about that being all I, could, all I was capable of doing. Um, but in spite of that, uh, my parents loved me because they understood that this was my, my natural state. Like when I'm first born, the expectation wasn't um, that I came out as a mature adult and was just able to immediately contribute to the family. The expectation was that this is the season of my life that I'm in and that as time went on, I would progress and I would mature and eventually I'd be, I'd be out of that stage. And I can tell you now, like, my relationship with my mom would be much more strained if at 26, um, all I did was lie at home and cry and eat and poop my pants. Um, but luckily, I've moved, I've moved past that point. The idea is that there's a natural progression to spiritual maturity. 
Some of us in here right now, we would, we would call you, you know, spiritual grandparents. And you can be old or you can be young. But the idea is you've, you've walked with Christ for a long time. You have a maturity and an experience that is extremely valuable to the church as a whole, but also particularly to new believers. And some of you in here are what we would call like spiritual infants. And there's nothing wrong with being a spiritual infant. Again, it's the natural state of where you are. Um, what is wrong, though, is anywhere along the line, stopping where you're at. Because physical growth, again, barring any issues, doesn't stop. Like, I I cannot stop the fact that I'm continuing to mature and I'm moving on uh, in my journey from infant to senior. Um, But with spiritual growth, you can absolutely stop. And some of us in here, we would say that we've been Christians for years, and yet um, we still are what we would call spiritual infants. And if I was, again, if I was 10 years old, and I had the maturity of an infant, then my parents would be, like, taking me to doctors and trying to figure out, you know, like, well, what was going on? And the the expectation isn't that we would go from being a spiritual infant to a spiritual senior in one day. It happens the same way that it happens in physical maturity as well. It happens step by step. It happens slowly. But all of us in the room, whether we're on uh, the early end of the spectrum or the late end of the spectrum, we all have next steps to take. We all have things that we can do to continue to grow, to continue to progress on this journey of Christian maturity. And what I want to talk about today is kind of like as, as a practical application, um, and you can go ahead and put the, the graphic up. Um, it's really the idea of what is your next step. And so this isn't all the next steps, obviously, but this is kind of just an idea of, you know, things particularly within the church that we can provide. Um, what are some natural next steps that we can take? And so up here, you could say, you know, salvation, that's a great next step. If you're in here and you would say that I have not really put my faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, like I hear you guys kind of talking about it, but you haven't, that is, an, that is a fantastic next step to, to take. And I would say, you know, come talk to me, talk to really any of the leaders here, and we would love to pray with you about that. We'd love to talk to you about that. Um, there's other things. Let's say, for instance, that you've been uh, saved for a while. You would say that for a long time you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, but you haven't been uh, baptized. Well, that's a great next step. To come and be baptized and to publicly declare your faith in front of the church is a beautiful thing that we all get to be a part of. Maybe you would say that I've been coming for a while, um, but mostly I come to the church, I sit down, I participate in the service, and then I leave, and I never really get connected, and I don't have any close relationships here at the church. Well, again, remember, as the church, we're called to selflessly love others, to be in relationship with other people at the church, and so maybe you should join a life group or attend Grove Men or Grove Women. Start to build relationships with other people in the church so that you can be an encouragement to them, and they can be an encouragement to you. Maybe you would say that I, I, I really want to take my faith, and I, I want to serve, and I, I want to, like, you know, I want to make the place around me better. I want to be a part of the mission. I want to help move the church forward. And so maybe it's joining one of the teams we talked about, you know, the Grove Kids team, the host team, the production team, like all those different things. Or maybe it's being a part of iHeart or the gift or different outreaches that we do, Fight Hunger, different outreaches that we do all throughout the year. Maybe you'd say that for for a long time, I've been in the church, um, my faith has been kind of growing, but I, I really need to learn more about who God is. I want to immerse myself um, in the Bible, and maybe your next step is taking that, uh, taking that idea and really committing to reading the Bible regularly. There was a stat that was shared, I think it was shared here a couple weeks ago as well, that I thought was really interesting. Um, but statistically, people who read their Bibles three times a week don't have that big of a difference from people who read their Bibles no times a week. Um, and for whatever reason, the magic number is four. Like people who read their Bible four times a week or more, um, statistically, uh, 
basically are more content, have better lives, all those different things. And so maybe your next step is to be more involved with reading the Bible, learning more about who God is. You could listen to the Let's Read the Bible podcast, because I hear the host of that has a great voice, and it's a really good one. So, I mean, who knows? It's, I'm just throwing, throwing that one out there. But wh- whatever it is, I would encourage all of us to be thinking about what are the next steps that we can take. And I'll, I'll kind of just conclude with this, and I'm, I'm getting close to the end, so the, the people can kind of come back up if they want to. But I, I don't want to be... Uh, I don't want to be overhypey, right? Because sometimes I think, uh, we try not to do it at the church, but sometimes you go places and it's just like, you know, you don't want to miss next Sunday. I don't know why I went wrestler voice there. Um, but, you know, Hulk Hogan's going to be here. But I will say, in all honesty, um, you do not want to miss next Sunday because next Sunday is going to be incredible. The first thing that we're going to do is actually during service, um, we're really going to take this conversation of what are our next steps and together as a church really evaluate for everyone in here, what are natural next steps that I can take? What are ways that I can get plugged in? What are ways that I can continue to grow in my Christian faith? And, and the other thing that we're going to be a part of next Sunday is it's, it's Baptism Sunday. So after service at 6 p.m. at the Aquatic Center, um, we get to be a part of something that I think is really beautiful. And, and again, this, maybe this is my nerdy side or whatever it is, um, but baptism has been around since the beginning of the church. And so for 2,000 years, Every time there's been a new Christian, the thing that's happened is that they were baptized, and we get to be a part of that. People here who are new Christians get to be baptized, and we get to join into something that the church has been doing for literally thousands of years and continue to add more people to the church. And when I say church, I mean, that you know, capital C, everyone. It's, it's a really an incredible, beautiful thing, and afterwards, you guys get a pool party, which is awesome, um, and it's so much better than Marysville, because you, you have a water slide. Um, but I will... And here's the deal. I'll, I will be honest. Uh, I will be there because I'm taking video, but I will also be wearing swim trunks and I'll be sticking around because last time I didn't wear swim trunks and I was super bummed. So um, it's going to be an incredible Sunday. I would encourage everyone to be there. I, I love this conversation that we've been getting to have about what it means to stop simply going to church, but to be the church. And I would encourage all of us this week as we're going through, think through what are the next natural steps that I can take? What are ways that I can contribute to the body of Christ? What are ways that I can help this church function to its maximum potential? What are ways that I can help us continue to reach new people who don't know Christ and continue to add numbers to the church? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that we can sit here and that we can gather and that we can be encouraged by one another and that we can be a part of something bigger than ourselves. I thank you for the incredible work of Jesus Christ and I pray that we would, we would never in our hearts lose our wonder that you came to earth as a man, that you suffered and that you died so that we could have a relationship with you. I pray that as we live our lives, we wouldn't just take that for granted, but that the, the incredibleness, the awesomeness of that fact would never be lost on us. And I pray that as we're going through work or school or whatever part we're at this week, I pray that we would just be thinking about what are the things that you're asking me to do? What are the steps that I can take? What are the areas I can get involved in? How can I stop simply just attending church and how can I start being the church? I pray that this message would be an encouragement to everyone. I pray that as we worship, that your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us into the right ways that we would be, uh, the right steps to take. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.